0: A Sunday school teacher asking her class how to get to heaven offered several alternatives. She said, can you get to heaven by going to church? And uh, the class responded, no. Can you get to heaven by being good? No. Can you get to heaven by giving lots of money? The class said no. So what do you have to do to get to heaven, she asked. One boy cried out, you have to be dead. (laughs) Not exactly the answer she was looking for, but in one respect, true, you know, unless Jesus comes back first, we will have to die to get into heaven. But contrary to the assumption of many, just dying won't get you into heaven. So how do you get in? What does it take to enter the kingdom of heaven, or as John calls it, the kingdom of God? Now, the kingdom of heaven is often thought of as a future kingdom and the kingdom of God as the kingdom present on earth, but they are actually the same kingdom. Matthew uses the terms interchangeably, and the other gospel writers simply call it the kingdom of God. But whatever you call it, the bottom line is you have to be in it now to be in it later. So how do you get in? That's the most important question you'll ever have to answer. Well, our text for today gives us the answer by first telling us won't, what won't get us in and then revealing what it does take to get in. We begin by noting that to get in, you must be more than a spectator. We're in John chapter two, starting with verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover during the feast, many believed in his name, beholding the signs which he was doing. But Jesus on his part was not entrusting himself to them, For he knew all men, and because he did not need anyone to bear witness concerning man, for he himself knew what was in man. Now, we don't know what miracles Jesus performed in Jerusalem during the Passover. Whatever they were, they impressed a lot of people. And John says, many who saw the miracles, the signs believed in his name. What they believed about his name, he doesn't say. Maybe they simply believed there was magical, mystical power in his name. Perhaps they actually believed he was a prophet of God. They may have even believed that he was, in fact, the Messiah. But whatever they believed, it didn't impress Jesus because he didn't entrust themselves to them. Why not? Because he knew their hearts. He knew what was in them. He knew the faith they professed was shallow and superficial, not life changing. He knew when the miracle stopped, the excitement, the entertainment was over, they'd go back to the same old lives they had always lived. And we will see many doing just that in the sixth chapter. After feeding the 5,000, Jesus was swamped by believers. They chased him all around the lake. But when he made it clear he wasn't going to keep miraculously feeding them and that he was going to teach them rather than perform for them, they left. John puts it this way. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. Well, Jesus knew these believers in Jerusalem were only temporary believers. They weren't part of the kingdom of God, they were merely kingdom spectators. And I think there's a warning here for those who are nothing more than spectators in the church today. You know, in spite of the rise of the nuns, those who put none when asked their church preference, Many in America do still profess, believe in God. Some even attend services where Jesus is proclaimed and worshiped. They enjoy religious productions. They may even get emotional about what's going on. But they're really nothing more than spectators at a church service. And as Keith Green once said, Sitting in church won't make you into a Christian any more than sitting in McDonald's will make you into a hamburger. (laughs) If you're merely a spectator, Jesus won't entrust himself to you. He won't come to live within you because he knows what's inside you, and it's not compatible with his nature. Even many who attend church regularly would no doubt agree that you must be more than a spectator to enter enter the kingdom of God. They would insist that you have to get involved, that you have to be an active participant in the life of the church. But guess what? Even that's not enough. Let's read on. Now, there's a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to him by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now Nicodemus was a very religious man. He was a Pharisee, one who, as the term Pharisee means, was separated from the world. He was a man who pledged to follow every detail of the law, and that was much more than following the Ten Commandments. The scribes had extracted from the law rules and regulations for every conceivable situation And these were written down in the Mishnah and explained in the Talmud. They were excessively detailed and in many respects, ridiculous, but the Pharisees committed themselves to keeping them all, and it wasn't easy. There were never more than 6,000 who pledged to do so. Now some of them were hypocritical. They wanted to be seen as righteous but worked harder to find loopholes in the law than to follow it, and Jesus exposed them as such. For others, this was sincere devotion to the things of God, and apparently Nicodemus was sincere. He was also a ruler of the Jews, not the ruler of a local synagogue, but a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high court. So Nicodemus was very active in his faith, very much a participant, and he came to Jesus apparently with a question. Now John notes that Nicodemus came by night, but doesn't say why. He may have been afraid of what others would think, or he may have just wanted to have some time alone with Jesus. Whatever his reason, it's obvious he did not come to attack or to entrap Jesus. He came with respect and to learn. He began, Rabbi, we know that you've come from God as a teacher, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. He recognized that Jesus was sent from God. He realized that the miracles were signs of Jesus' authority, and he respected Jesus as a teacher with authority. He paid attention to what Jesus said, not just what he did. He knew he was supposed to learn from Jesus and had come for that purpose. Apparently, he was about to ask Jesus what was necessary to enter the kingdom of God. A rich young ruler would ask a similar question. Teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may obtain eternal life? Both he and Nicodemus realized it took something more than what they were doing but they didn't really know what it was. Nicodemus didn't get a chance to ask his question. He didn't need to, because Jesus knew what was in man. He knew the question before it was asked. He simply replied, Truly, truly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In other words, believe me, When I say the only way to enter the kingdom is to be born again, or as born again can also be translated, be born from above. Just being a participant wasn't enough. Even being highly involved, being a leader was not enough. Even though Nicodemus was a very active participant in religious affairs, he was not in the kingdom. The same is true today. You can be an active member of a church, a teacher, an elder, a preacher, and not be in the kingdom of God. Participation in the kingdom doesn't guarantee membership in the kingdom. It takes something more. You must be born again. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? He cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Now, I'm convinced Nicodemus actually knew what Jesus meant by being born again. The Jews said when a Gentile professed the Jewish faith, he had been reborn, that he was like a newborn child. Ezekiel had written, Cast away from you all your transgressions which you have committed, and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Then I will sprinkle you clean with clean water on you, and, and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you." What Jesus had to say shouldn't have seemed incredulous to Nicodemus. He didn't really think Jesus was suggesting a man return to his mother's womb to be born again. He just didn't believe it was possible for an old man, especially a religious old man, set in his ways to change to such an extent that he could think of himself as being born again. Jesus is very emphatic, saying, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, what did he mean, born of water and the spirit? The spirit part, we have no difficulty accepting. The water part, we struggle with. Some would suggest that being born of water is our fleshly birth. That is a reference to the the water that breaks preceding a physical birth. And that is obviously preferred by those who don't want to believe that baptism is involved in the new birth. Most commentators, however, do believe that this is a reference to baptism. And that is the traditional interpretation. And it does make sense. In order for a change to take place, repentance must be evident. And John the Baptist had called the Jews to repentance through baptism. Jesus' disciples would continue to do the same thing during his three-year ministry. And then on the day of Pentecost, Christian baptism would be offered which would enable a person to share in Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and begin a new life in the Spirit. So it's very likely that Jesus had baptism in mind when he said that a man must be born of water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. And I think that emphasis is important today. You know, baptism should never be relegated to the position of non-essential symbol. It should be viewed as an integral part of the process of being born again. A spiritual birth is necessary to enter a spiritual kingdom. And baptism, coming forth from the water, is a part of the birthing process. Now, there's no need to try to pinpoint the precise moment when that new life begins. On a physical level, we know that life begins long before birth. And prenatal spiritual life no doubt begins before baptism. But at baptism, if it is truly an expression of our willingness to die to self and rise to walk in newness of life... We have the assurance that we have been born again, that we have been forgiven, washed clean, and the Spirit has taken up residence in our life. Now, we don't have to understand how all this works in order to know that it does work. We don't have to understand the connection between water and the Spirit, and we certainly don't have to understand how the Spirit works to bring about a new birth. In fact, it's beyond our comprehension. Jesus said, we don't understand how the wind works. We just see the effects. And the same is true of the spirit. The wind and spirit is the same word in the Greek. So all we need to understand is that Jesus told us what to do to be born again. And we need to do it knowing that he is the one who makes possible the forgiveness of sin. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak that which we know and bear witness of that which we have seen, and you do not receive our witness." If I told you earthly things and you do not believe, how shall you believe if I tell you heavenly things? And no one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, even the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, and whoever believes may in him have eternal life. Jesus could speak with authority about spiritual things because he had descended from heaven. In fact, he came from heaven to make the new birth possible, to provide a way for our sins to be forgiven so we could start over clean and fresh and new, like a newborn child. Again, how he would do it is hard to comprehend, but he painted a picture of how he would do it some 1,500 years earlier in the desert. The Israelites were on their way to the Promised Land, but were complaining about God's provision and demonstrating complete lack of trust in him. He punished them by sending deadly serpents into the camp, and people were dying. They cried out for Moses to intercede, to ask God to take away the snakes. But God wouldn't do it. He didn't take away the consequences of their sin. No, he didn't take away the snakes. But he did provide a way for them to be saved from the effects of their bite. God instructed Moses to fashion a serpent of bronze, and to set it on a pole in the middle of the camp. Anyone who was suffering from the effects of their sin had only to look upon the uplifted serpent to be saved from death. In similar fashion, the Son of Man was going to be lifted up on a cross. And those who would look upon the cross would be saved from the effects of their sin. God wasn't going to take away the painful, deadly effects of sin, at least not now. But he was going to provide the remedy, and that remedy is available today. You can be saved from the deadly effects of sin by looking to the uplifted Savior, by trusting that his death on the cross will take the place of your death, your eternal separation from God. Through the death of Christ, your sins can be forgiven, and you can be born again. Being born of water and the Spirit, you can enter into the kingdom of God. If you want to be born again, if you want a fresh start in life, express your faith in the uplifted Christ. I assure you, there's room at the cross for you.